morning. Welcome back to the broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRNAM for Monday, December 4th, 2023. Our top story today, the decline in local news outlets is accelerating. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Tim Franklin is with the Northwestern University Medill School of Journalism. Tim, it's always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Um, Tim, I, I want to start with, you know, the, the headline of our show was decline in local news and outlets um, is accelerating. And I have to tell you, as somebody who is a long-term consumer of and purveyor of it, local news and, and national news, this is, this is deeply concerning. It, it is deeply concerning. And, and just to run some of the numbers past you that we found in our state of local news report, uh, which we issued earlier this month, uh, there are now 204 entire counties in the U.S. with no source of local news, no newspaper, no digital site, no public radio, no ethnic media. That's about 3 million Americans. Uh, then on top of that, you've got more than 1,500 counties where there's only one news source. Uh, that's about 52 million Americans. Uh, so you combine those two numbers and you've got basically 55 million Americans with either no local news source or very limited access to local news. And this is something that I think has big implications for our democracy, for our society, for how we view one another. Um, and, and I'd be happy to go into kind of some of the what the research shows. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that because I'll just give you my perspective. And I, I'm not a journalist and I never went to journalism school. I'm just a host but uh, and a retirement uh, expert. But I like to get multiple sources of information when I'm when I'm looking at a particular issue. And, and when it relates to retirement or savings or finance, I want to have multiple issues. If I can, and, 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 that, and those sources oftentimes are national sources, international sources, but also local sources, uh, because good things come from all different places. So to me, if I'm trying to frame, if I'm the audience, I'm trying to frame together an, an issue, just hearing it from one source, a national source, which has a, maybe a little bit different agenda in terms of they want to get clicks, they want advertisers, it, 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 it concerns me. Well, and me too. And, and and so let's think about this. So you've got these million, tens of millions of, of Americans with either no local news or very limited local news. So what do they do when they don't have a local news source? Well, I think they do a couple of things. One is they turn to Facebook groups or Nextdoor or a social media platform. And look, I think it's great that people are being civically active on Facebook and they want to know what's happening in their community. But there's a problem with that. And, and the problem is that there's no professionally trained journalist who's moderating that conversation or who's fact checking or checking documents or interviewing sources or checking clips, who's doing a lot of the basic things that journalists do to make sure that accurate, reliable, credible news is getting out to local communities. So the result of that is there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation that gets spread uh, through social media uh, on these sites. And I think that this is contributing to the problem we have across the country with misinformation and disinformation that's kind of spreading like a cancer um, across the country. So, you know, th this is a big, big problem, um, I, I think in many ways. And it's also contributing to kind of the hyper-partisanship 
yeah. that we're seeing in, in the country. So I, I think the other thing people do is they turn to national news sources. Um, and news has been nationalized in a lot of ways. And that means turning to cable news uh, sites on the right or the left. Uh, and, and you end up in this ideological filter bubble uh, where your own personal belief sets are reinforced, as opposed to like you were just saying in your case, you get multiple sources of information, uh, which is great. But unfortunately, a lot of folks aren't doing that. So they just end up in this cocoon uh, of, of news and information. And, and, you know, there's now research that shows that when there's no local news, and this is research by other universities, not Northwestern, that uh, uh, government spending goes up, that government corruption rises, um, that civic participation declines because people don't know about candidates in local elections or the details of local elections. And, you know, we're in a crisis with local news and, and it's not a red crisis or a blue crisis. It's a crisis, you know, the, the news deserts are all over the country in democratic areas, Republican areas, it doesn't matter. Um, this is not a partisan issue. Th th this is a serious problem. Let's talk about uh, one more question, then we'll go to a commercial break, because uh, this is absolutely fascinating, especially for someone, I curate the news every day in our daily newsletter by hand, so there's no AI, there's no algorithm. But um, how did we get here? Is it is it purely economics that the economics of the internet from 1995, uh, when it was uh, kind of more um, proliferate, proliferated, really has eliminated the, the model? The model just didn't work. And so that creates these deserts. What, where did this all start? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. You know, uh, the business model for local news has collapsed. Uh, it's imploded. And it's imploded for a couple of reasons. One is that audience preferences have shifted from print to digital news sources, smartphones, uh, laptops, desktops, whatever. Um, and, and so fewer people are buying print newspapers these days. That's the first thing. And the, the second thing is that uh, digital advertising revenue has shifted to social media platforms and to search. And, you know, by some estimates, about two thirds or even three quarters of all the new digital ad revenue goes to three companies, uh, Meta, Google, and Amazon. So there's just not much left for local news organizations to sponge up to support uh, local journalism. And you know, it, it's a big structural problem. You know, about 10 years ago, 80% of all the revenue for local news organizations came from advertising. Uh, now, uh, uh, about half, more than half of the revenue comes from readers through subscriptions, uh, digital subscriptions, memberships, uh, and that sort. But advertising for local news uh, has just completely uh, uh, collapsed. And, you know, not completely, but largely. And so that that's that's the big part of the problem here. Yeah, Tim, as I said, I need to take a, very, take a very quick break. Can't get it out. We come back, we'll talk more about the de-evolution. I'm going to call it the de-evolution of local news. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future.
This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. This morning we're talking to Tim Franklin of the Northwestern University Medill School of Journalism. Tim, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Sure. Great to be with uh, you. Yeah, it's a, this is a fun, it's a concerning conversation, but it's certainly a fun conversation where do people get their news? And um, you mentioned people are, sorry, that's my, see, that's my phone. I just got a, uh, a, a text alert on, on an article. Um, but, but people use their phones, they use these devices and they're just kind of scrolling through. Um, is there a fix for this? And, and, and you look at what's happened uh, to cable and general TV, you've got streaming. And streaming has just blown up uh, significantly. People are buying Hulu and YouTube TV and Netflix. Is there a solution to get back to to eliminate these uh, or re uh, t change these arid uh, deserts for, for local news? Yeah, you know, it, it, there is no magic bullet to this problem, I don't think. But I'm a little more encouraged now than I have been in the past uh, based on some things that are happening. First of all, we are seeing some local news organizations that by their own entrepreneurship and innovation are making this uh, transformation from print to digital um, and they're growing digital subscriptions they're diversifying their revenue streams um, and, and they're 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 making that switch to a new business model that really needs to happen so I think you know some news organizations are figuring this out and are figuring out a new model um, although by no means all um, then there are a couple of other things. One is philanthropy is stepping up in a big way. So yeah. the MacArthur Foundation, uh, based uh, here in Chicago, where, where Northwestern is based, um, announced a half a billion dollar, half a billion dollar uh, uh, influx of uh, philanthropic dollars for local news over the next five years. The Knight Foundation and some of the other big foundations are also involved in this because they recognize the stakes for democracy of not having access to local news and information. So, so we're going to see this kind of flood of, of foundation dollars coming into local news over the course of the next five years. I think that's great. It's not gonna fix the problem. I think it may provide some runway for local news organizations to figure out a new business model over the course of these next five years. And then the other thing, and this is a bit controversial in some areas, but uh, we're beginning to see public policy uh, step in to try to help local news. There now are about a dozen states 
that have either passed legislation or are considering legislation uh, to help local news. Uh, things like advertising set-asides on ads that the government was going to buy anyway. They're now directing those to local news or tax credits or incentives for small businesses to advertise in local news or tax credits for people to subscribe to local news organizations. And, and there are other proposals that are out there. Um, but we're beginning to see public policymakers who, who now, I think, have a real understanding of the extent of this problem to try to step in. There's a bipartisan bill pending in Congress um, that would uh, also provide some tax incentives uh, to try to help local news. So, so I, I think we are beginning to see some movement on this front. Uh, but, you know, whether, you know, how many states get involved in this or whether Congress actually passes something, I, I think is still uh, to be seen. What about consumers? Do they have a role to play here? I know you mentioned the public policy, and certainly there's always the the, the, the local, state, um, you know, uh, federal policymakers kind of get involved. But the consumer has to, in my mind, has to want um, local news. And, and are they just not wanting it? I mean, I like to know, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. I grew up in Baltimore. I like to know what's happening with the Orioles. I like to know what's happening in my hometown, even though I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and had lived in New York. So does a consumer bear some responsibility here in terms of shutting down some of these local or creating these, these small business deserts? Uh, and by the way, I was editor of the Baltimore Sun, so, so we share that in common. Okay, well, uh, uh, as go well. Ravens. Go, I, I, look, I remember when the Colts played in Baltimore, and I'm still very sad about, <laughs> you know, about that. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So from the consumer perspective, I, I guess I'd say a couple things. Um, I, I don't think we have a demand problem. Um, I think we have a supply problem. And, and, and so we saw during the pandemic, there was this huge growth in digital subscriptions and in readership of local news sites because people needed to know what was happening with infection rates in their community or what was going on at the local hospital or were the schools open or closed or Zooming or what was happening with the local businesses. Um, so uh, th there was this rush to credible local news and information during the pandemic. And many, but by no means all of those subscribers have stuck around uh, with local news. But here's the consumer problem, I think, and I don't blame consumers for this at all. Um, is that the news industry kind of conditioned folks to think that news was going to be free uh, because when, you know, when the internet uh, really uh, took off in the mid late nineties, uh, news organizations made it available for free and, and you built this habit of, of news being free. And now they're trying to pivot back to uh, paid news and information because journalism costs money. Um, so, so part of it is a problem of their own creation. Um, in, in the case of news organizations. And, and then I think we're also seeing subscriber fatigue, right? I mean, people have Netflix and Hulu and, and uh, Paramount Plus and Disney, and you know they, they have all of these various subscription uh, options out there now. And, and so tacking on a local news subscription is yet kind of another um, monthly fee. But you know the, the best thing for local news right now is for people to subscribe. Uh, to their local news organization um, so that those dollars can help support the news that they need to be informed and live their lives. Uh, Tim, last question. I want to ask you about artificial intelligence because you can't go a moment without reading something about AI. We just had what happened with OpenAI recently with the CEO. Um, and so that, you know, does, is AI a threat or is it actually an ally for some of these local 
um, these local uh, sites, these local t television stations? Can they deploy AI if you can't hire enough reporters? Can you use AI to help source stories or or kind of compete with the big boys and girls? Uh, it, it, it's a good question. Uh, I actually just a couple of weeks ago with one of my colleagues, we organized a workshop with leading experts around the world about the impact of AI on local news. And I would say, first of all, th that uh, anybody who says they know what the impact is going to be uh, has a bridge for sale in New Jersey uh, that, <laughs> that they want to sell you. Um, but but um, look, AI is a tool and it's going to be a powerful tool. I think it was Bill Gates who said this is going to be the most important uh, invention since the internet itself. Um, and so AI can help make local news organizations more efficient um, in some ways, certainly on the business side and the advertising side. Um, and AI also will be able to generate stories and generate uh, articles and content for uh, local news sites. But here's the rub is right now, we're basically in the first inning uh, of this whole AI revolution. And it's not there yet. Uh, at the point of being able to provide reliable news and information. So there have been a couple of prominent examples around the country of news outlets that used AI and they and that AI introduced errors um, into stories and into, into content that they then had to go back and correct. So, and that has a direct bearing on your credibility as a news organization. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to revolutionize things. I, I think it's gonna have a huge impact um, I think it's too early to tell exactly what that impact is going to be, but we're going to see more and more stories, headlines generated by AI, and it's it, this is happening very, very quickly. Yeah, uh, I, I said that was the last question. One more. Tell us about the journalism students. I mean, how do they, t they're learning about how to be a journalist, uh, Northwestern, others, other uh, schools around the U.S., and maybe ac across the globe. How do, how do they kind of process all this? I mean, their first job, what is the first job? Is it a local paper? Used to be, or, or do they start their own thing? Yeah, you know, it used to be uh, when I came out of journalism school, I won't say what year that was, um, that, that uh, there was a very linear process of, of going from smaller organizations to progressively larger uh, organizations, if that was your interest. Um, and that also has been kind of, uh, has been disrupted by, by, by all of this change. But the journalism students that I talk to are really, uh, they're optimistic about the future because there are new digital sites that are being created, new niche sites and topical sites, new national news organizations, uh, you know, growing up on the digital side, new platforms to present uh, multimedia storytelling. Uh, so th they're not, uh, they're not, I don't think, fearful of the future. I think they're embracing uh, the future. And there are all these new jobs that didn't even exist a few years ago. You know, we have students uh, going into jobs like audience strategy and social media strategy. Uh, so, so the jobs are different uh, than they were uh, when I came out of college, but but the, there are still plenty of jobs out there. And, and we're, we are seeing the growth of uh, nonprofit and digital news organizations. It's not fast enough to keep pace with the loss, um, but we are seeing new uh, outlets emerge, and and uh, let's hope that continues. Yeah. Well, Tim, it's great to talk. This is a great conversation, and uh, I think we're going to have to have you back. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to talking with you again very soon. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be with you.
And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.